Murder and Moonshine, a true crime podcast with a southern twist. Hey y'all, welcome back to Murder and Moonshine. This is Christy. And this is Misty, and thank God, today is Christy's story. It is. I know you guys are glad it's my story, too. Today is a G-rated story compared to Misty's last story. Yeah, we need a palate cleanser. Everybody does. And speaking of, I have some very sweet moonshine for us to drink today. Perfect. We're just going to rinse all that shit away. I mean, the story today is still bad. Don't get me wrong. All of our stories are bad. But it's G-rated. Compared, to, compared to compared, that shit. Yeah, that was that was. We've bad. gotten so many messages. Yeah, sorry about making you physically ill. Like, yeah, I mean, it still fucks with me. Yeah, I it's st- horrible. I'm still thinking I about totally it. get it. I totally get it. But that's also why we throw the warnings out in the mm-hmm. beginning. Mm-hmm. And anytime I let you know that if you have a trigger, and it's it, then don't it, listen, it's going to hit it. It's going to yeah. be a bad one. Right. It's going to be a bad one. Right. I feel like I also just need to apologize right up front. I feel like I sound like an older porn star today. <laughs> Listen to me. I, sound, I just sound, sound like, like an old, like me today. <laughs> this is what happens when you've been coughing since Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah. It does I work sound like somebody course. that has swallowed a lot of stuff and it's. <laughs> Stuck in my throat. I don't know. Over the years, it hadn't been nice Ooh, to me. You know what? I feel like we should cheers to all the old porn stars of the world. Hey, y'all took it like a champ. <laughs> <laughs> they did. You know what I heard? Like, what? swear to God. What? Swear to God. I heard that one of the things that's in right now, and this is a little X-rated for our normal podcast. Mm-hmm. It's for a male to finish in a cup and then the female drink it in Shut front of him. The fu- and I'm just going to tell up. you right now, if that's what's required out there nowadays. What? How bored are you? All I know is if that's the standard. Oh, God. Thank God I'm as old and married as I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I don't know why we keep being shocked. By the new shit that's coming up. Yes. Also, I don't. Yeah. I mean, when we found three websites that were sold out of inflatable Fuckable sex pigs, pigs, right? Then we should have just like when random torsos with worn out holes show up. <laughs> I mean, the sex doll in Midland. We still don't know, guys. It's a crisis. How it got there? There's a crisis going on. I don't. And I'm. What do you think? So, you think it's because you have so much access to so much like free porn and stuff? Oh, absolutely. Like, you just get bored, so you come up with extra weird ways. One hundred percent. You have to top. You have to keep topping the last whatever. Top yeah. it. Top it. But I'm gonna tell you right now. If somebody hands me a cup, Mm-mm. Mm-mm. it says drink it, <laughs> bitch. I'm like, There's no mm, words. There's not today, no words. Sir. Not me, okay? No, nope. <laughs> no. Nope. You know that's why I said, "Thank God, thank God." Well, along the I same lines, so since we're staying raunchy, <laughs> yes, like we, <laughs> I see, like we normally do. I've seen this meme. Uh-huh. Like January has been a fickle, petty bitch. It, January has come in every hot fucking day. Yes, <laughs> it's coming hot. I'm just trying to make it to February. I hope February's not as much of a bully. But anyway, <clears throat> January's been a shit show. So mm-hmm. 
I was looking through and I seen this meme and it literally made me laugh out loud. And you know that guy from like 90 Day Fiance that don't have a neck? The yeah, little short, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, this guy looked like him, okay. but bigger and had like oh, a bigger. gray, like salt and pepper bushy beard. Like he was a big dude. And his, so if he had a big beard, then you couldn't see his neck at no, all. No, that head was sitting on his shoulders. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Directly on the shoulders. I don't even know if he has a cervical spine. But <laughs> in the meme it said, I might be old and fat, but I can still pound that cooter. <laughs> <laughs> Bitch, you lied. Oh, okay. No. It if you don't laugh. have a neck, let me guess, he was white, wasn't he? he don't lie. He was white. Okay. If you call it a cooter, you ain't getting no cooter in your life. I promise you, number one, you are not getting no cooter. I'm just going to go out on a limb here. I could be wrong. It's just my own, you know, thoughts here. But I think that if you still call it cooter, mm-hmm. that you probably have a real tree recliner. <laughs> At your house. Like a real tree or mossy oak. I feel like recliner. you just took it too far. You just took it too far. Because when I hear cooter, it's like real tree or mossy oak pops it, in my right. head. It is and a very. the flash I got. And that's why I knew it was white. As soon as you said it, I knew it was white. But I'm bothered by the fact that he says he pounds it. He, he might give it a it. gentle pat. But this <laughs> not pounding anything mm, just a gentle pat you're probably right you are probably just a nudge a tickle <laughs> i don't know <laughs> oh my god oh it's time we for a shot it are is going time to for a shot the gasoline drills well, on that's what we do <laughs> <laughs> all right okay i have some sweet moonshine for us today yeah from the tennessee Mm-hmm. Already. Sorry to already start tapping in. Just, there goes know. that tongue. Y'all knew we there already There goes that in. tongue. This Tennessee, I told you I, I'm an old porn star today. <laughs> Everything I got's wore out. Wore out. <laughs> Tennessee Shine Company Cotton Candy. All and right. it's what? 40 it's proof. 50 proof. 50 proof. Yes. 50. And delicious. It is really good. <laughs> <laughs> it is really good. It is really good. So while Misty's getting our shot ready, let me ask you a joke, or let me tell you a joke. Okay. Detail. Why is Dwayne Johnson the only man that can turn a lesbian? I, I don't know. Because rock beats scissors? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. All right, fill your cups up. I love it. A little humor, because the last two weeks have been so bad. And we want to take this shot for all the old porn all stars. All the old porn stars. And all the big men pounding cooters, <laughs> even if gently, you are wearing gently padding and mossy oak. <laughs> Do your thing. Cheers, bitches. And just a quick little shout out to... Jessica Caroline for sending us some shot glasses with our logos. We have some new shot glasses. Cheers, bitches, and stay out of trouble or don't get caught. I love them. We love them. And speaking of, we have our new online store. Yes, that you definitely should check out. So we're going to have the link in the show notes. Go buy some Murder and Moonshine merch. Merch. Show represent us, support us support yes. we need some support we have shitty equipment y'all we <laughs> need you support. 
if we sell, look, we can do like some. What's the what's the doggy commercials? What like the little sad doggy commercials? Like for animal shelters? Yeah, <laughs> like ASPCA. Yeah. Yes. What if we play that that music? That Celine Dion song. That is Sarah McLaughlin. Sarah McLaughlin. Yes. If we play that Sarah McLaughlin song, and we pose with our mixer while we're advertising our store, <laughs> and we give you some sad eyes, people that know equipment would be like, "Oh yeah, yeah, let me go buy a shirt yeah. or a cup or something. I'm gonna help them out." Nothing's cheap, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Nothing's cheap. Bloody FM presents Hometown Ghost Stories, a paranormal podcast that investigates a new town every week, bringing you all the hauntings, from haunted houses to castles, bridges to asylums, wandering spirits to demons. Over 100 episodes covering different towns all over the world. Tune in to Hometown Ghost Stories live on YouTube every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern or on any podcast platform and find out if your hometown is haunted. Only on a few occasions. <laughs> I mean, that God. one time for that Wendy's. There Just was that, that one time. time. Oh, I think it's time to get started. Yes. Tell us about our story. this story. So starting out with some trigger warnings. Like I mentioned earlier, this story is not nearly as graphic as bad as Missy's story. Um, we have some mental illness, home invasion robbery homicide and body abandonment body abandonment you know when you just leave a body you abandon a body but don't all killers leave a body well bitch i was trying to come up with some trigger warnings <laughs> for this episode <laughs> because there's not that many <laughs> you're like i'm trying to think of anything, anything. that could fuck with somebody listen head. yeah body abandonment might fuck with somebody's head if they thought about their loved one's or body you just, just created a new trigger for you somebody know what? <laughs> let me straighten my notes <laughs> it always makes it better <sighs> all right now this bitch is over here looking up Look, body you abandonment. know i done googled it right so <laughs> just to clarify what body abandonment is a person commits a crime of abandonment of a corpse if that person abandons, disposes, deserts, or leaves a corpse without properly reporting the location of the body to proper law enforcement officials in that county. See? See? So, That's a fucking trigger. Yes, it is. That's a trigger. Yes, it is. Consider yourself warned. Continue on, ma'am. <laughs> okay. Let's get started on this story. Let's do it. We're starting off with Jennifer, who is known as Jenny, a 56-year-old grandmother living in Altamonte Springs, Florida. Mm -hmm. Jenny is married to Robert Fulford, and they have two grown children. They are also expecting a brand new grandchild, a baby girl, to be born literally any minute. Jenny was so excited, she had already bought her plane ticket to Dallas to meet the new granddaughter. Aww. Matter of fact, she was leaving the very next day. Oh. Mm. Her flight was scheduled for the next day. Jenny has worked at Winter Park as a personal assistant, caretaker, child care provider for Reed Berman, 
for the last six to seven years. So who is Reed Berman? He's the president of Tower Realty Property Incorporated. Okay. And of course, I had to Google him because I'm, you know, who is this guy? You know, he's a good looking guy. I'm not gonna lie. He's a good looking guy. He's listed as the co-founder and principal of Tower Realty Property Incorporated, and his net worth is five point one million. Okay, okay. So he's not so doing good bad. Looking, and he's making not doing a bad. good living. Yeah. And so she's been working for him. Like I said, whatever, basically whatever he needs around the house, taking care of the kids, to and from school, grocery shopping, just everyday shit. Okay, she's yeah. been doing for him for a while. He loved Jenny because. Her, mainly because she was just so reliable. Yeah. She's always there. She's never sick. She always seems prepared, you know. And if you've raised kids. Yeah, she sounds like the grandmotherly type. And that everybody wants, you, right. Because when you've raised kids, you, and it's you learn to be prepared. You can trust the person that you're leaving yes. your kids and with. He or fully, and he fully entrusted her with his two children. Sure. And his home. I mean, and he really appreciated her as well. Everything that she did for him and his family. She sounds pretty awesome. She was. She's great. She's great. She was never late, like I said. Always responsible, always prepared. Wednesday, September 27th, 2017, started out like any other day for Jenny. Mm -hmm. She drove to Winter Park to the Berman house. She got the youngest child, which is son Oliver, up and fed and ready for school. The other child is older, a daughter. She got herself to school. Right. She drove Oliver to school, dropped him off, and then Jenny went on to her scheduled dentist appointment. Mm Mm-hmm. After leaving the appointment, Jenny headed back to the Berman house to do her regular stuff, you know, that she does daily, before right. going to, back to school to pick up Oliver. Mm-hmm. Once she was back at the house, she heard a door and looked through the peephole, saw that it was a man delivering a UPS package, okay. delivery guy. She takes the package, puts it down. Before she can even put the package down all the way, there's another knock at the door immediately. Hmm. <laughs> She assumes it's the UPS guy because it was so quick. Right. Like, who else could it be? So, without hesitation, she just swings the door open. Yeah. Because she's thinking, okay, I need to sign something. We forgot something. Yeah, I would have done the same thing. She swings the door open just to see a very big guy standing very close in the doorway holding a knife. Oh. This is not the same guy that she had just saw. Right. Before she even had time to react, before she even knew what was going on. Like, you have to take a minute for your brain to register. Yeah, this all happened very quickly. quickly. So and you totally open the stunned. door expecting to see the same guy you just saw. Absolutely. And you're like, holy fuck. Who, wait, wait, who is this? He's standing close. He's got a knife. What's going on? Sure. Before her brain could even put all that shit together, mm-hmm. he just, like, rushed into the house. Bum rushed. Oh, gosh. And... Tackled Jeannie to the floor and bound her wrists and ankles with zip ties. Oh, no. Jeannie is then rolled up into a comforter. This is a king-size comforter that came off um, Reed's bed. Mm -hmm. The stranger picks her up, carries her outside, and puts Jeannie into the trunk (gasps) of her own car. Oh, my God. I was kind of expecting you to tell me, like, I'm thinking it's weird that he would tie her up and then roll her up in a comforter mm-hmm. 
And I'm figuring he's just trying to steal stuff. But then he takes her out of the house and puts her in the trunk. Of her own car. Of her own car. Okay, when I say trunk, it's an SUV. So it's in the back. But regardless. Yeah. She is zip tied with her wrists and ankles Mm -hmm. and wrapped up in a comforter and in the back of her own vehicle. That's crazy. Yes. Well, I'm going to stop right there. So because everybody's wondering, like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Before I tell the rest of Jennifer's story. I'm going to tell you about this random fucking kidnapper. Who is he? Where did he come from? Well, his name is Scott Edward Nelson. He was born in Massachusetts. <laughs> I love how you automatically look at me because you knew. Every time. You said it wrong. Every time that I butcher a word, my eyes cut. Because you already. Because I know that I said it wrong. Will you say that word for Massachusetts? Me? Thank you. February 28, 1964. He was the youngest son of three boys to Lawrence and Joan Nelson. Mm -hmm. So by the time Scott was born in 1964, his mother, Joan, had already suffered several nervous breakdowns. And she was medicated on powerful psychiatric and antipsychotic drugs. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, you know. Mm-hmm. By the, it, he's the youngest son of three boys. She already has two children right. and a husband. Right. So by the time he comes around, it's bad. Her mental health is, is really bad, bad. really yeah. bad. His father, Lawrence, was described as a good provider who was highly regarded in the community. But inside their home, which we all know too well. You never know what's going That's on behind right. closed doors. So inside their home, he was extremely emotionally abusive, verbally abusive, and physically abusive towards all three boys and their mother. Mm. He would call the children and his wife derogatory names and make fun of them. Yeah, that's really going to help a mental health issue. Exactly. And I mean, not to mention... You have these three children that are seeing their mom with this severe disability. Sure. And their dad just decides to call her derogatory names. Yeah. And make fun of them. Yeah. Yeah. Sad. Super sad. He would hit the boys with two by fours. Oh, my God. He would throw things at them. He would get them in a corner and like corner them in, pin them in and beat them with a belt. He has punched the children straight in their face. (gasps) Now, I'm not going to lie. As a mama who has raised teenagers, Mm -hmm. there have been times that I thought. Look, every parent out there, you're a lie if you don't say that this is true. I want to punch you right in your motherfucking mouth. I can't stand this young. (laughs) Right. Right now. I love you. I would die for you, but I can't stand you right now. that fact that that we parented them and we love them prevents us from actually going forth with it absolutely this guy not so much he would just punch him right in the fucking face and he didn't stop with the boys so he was just as bad or worse to joan Mm. even considering her mental condition he didn't give a fuck he would beat joan so bad that she couldn't walk oh god she would be confined to the bed that is he beat her so bad she was confined to the bed when she was seven months pregnant with scott oh my god so i mean no fucks given none on his part yeah no this went on for a few years the family then moved to new hampshire less than two months after moving to new hampshire 
Lawrence and Joan got divorced because Lawrence was having an affair with another woman. Oh, no. Obviously, he had checked out a long fucking time ago. Right. But, you know, I don't know that Joan's seen it this way, but that other chick just did her a damn favor. Yeah, but with her mental health issues right. and the fact that she has three children. Right. I mean, definitely going to be a stressful time, yeah. but at least you don't have somebody there beating your ass. At this point, Scott was 12 years old. 12. Mm-hmm. So I want you to imagine a 12-year-old, middle school-aged yeah. child. Middle what, school's the sixth worst. Grade, yeah. Sixth grade. His two brothers were older. So when their dad left their mom for this other woman, mm-hmm. they had their first opportunity to get the fuck up at this house, and they took it. Yeah. They were gone. Yeah. Gone. But however, that leaves Scott, 12 years old, Home basically his mother's entire caretaker yeah you know whether it's physically emotionally financially and that is so much on a 12, on a 12 year old, year I, old. I mean that's a, a lot 12 on year old yes so by the time lawrence left and obviously joan realizes that she had that he has left her for another woman right and her two older children move out she's just left with this 12 year old She's schizophrenic. Her mental health has declined so much, obviously because of the abuse and neglect and all the shit that she's been through. There's been no help for her. You know, she's completely unstable. Mm -hmm. Well, Scott and Joan move out of the house and they move into a trailer. And at 12 years old, Scott immediately has to take charge of running this household and being financially stable for his mother that is the, it, because lawrence refused he refused any you know, help. this is that's his fault i mean like he knows that his wife mm-hmm. has mental health is severe yes. mental health yes. issues and it just shows that he really does not give a fuck, a fuck. about his kids even right. even if it's not her right but that you would leave him with her her and help them none and, and give them at no all. support. Yeah. And like make a point to say, I'm not going to help you at all. What? He, ma- he made it known. And I just want to pause there and talk about how difficult it would be to have a spouse and children that you're responsible for mm-hmm. when your spouse has reached this level of schizophrenia. Yeah. I can't imagine. No, I truly I, can't. I, I can't. So even if that got too much for him, mm-hmm. okay, Lawrence, that's too much for me. I can't fucking handle it. And that it. is understandable. It, it it is to a to a degree. But to abandon your children, exactly that to abandon that your whole under- fucking family, is, yeah. yeah, unacceptable, unacceptable, unfucking acceptable. So they make it work for a few years, and by this time, Scott's in high school. As a high school student. One summer, he worked really hard at a landscaping job and Mm -hmm. saved enough money to buy a car. He wanted a way for them to be able to get around. But less than six months later, the car was gone. Scott sold it because his mother needed the money Mm -hmm. for her medical care and for her medication. That's such grown-up shit to have to deal with. Exactly. Sometime while he was a teenager in high school, he began using drugs and alcohol. Right. After the abuse he has suffered as not, a child. It's not surprising at all. At all. He wants to zone out. He was abandoned. He, yeah. 
and left with a completely mentally unstable person that he's responsible for at 12 fucking years old. I mean, honestly, that could drive an adult to drink, you know. Much less a child. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So by the time he's in high school, he's, you know, kind of dabbling in some shit. Not a whole lot is known or, you know, documented about Scott around this time period. Other than at some point his mother passed away. Scott was then a homeless transient who was in and out of trouble with the law. Nothing serious, but it did include a 1984 assault conviction and a 1989 robbery conviction. Mm. But around the time Scott was 30 years old, mm-hmm. he, he, he gets back in the picture with some more serious crimes. Oh. So let's stop right there and take a little shot. Let's do that. Because I'm, you know, going to tell you about some shit that he's he done. ramps it up. Over his history. All right. Fill your cups up, bitches, because now's the time. This cotton candy is really good. Delicious. <laughs> Cheers, bitches. That was, that was weak as that fuck. Was so let's weak. try that one. <laughs> I think it's. Okay, that was there better. Was that was better. Yes. That was better. There was some spillage with that, though, but it was a better sound. Mm. Yeah, we got aggressive with that clink. That's good. That cotton candy is really sweet. I mm-hmm. like it. Okay. Like I said, not a whole lot's known. We know his mom's passed away. We know he's a transient. He done been in and out of trouble a few times. Yeah. But now he's about to get serious. I know. I, I'm trying to stop myself from feeling sorry for him because I know he's going to do some shit well, stuff, obviously. you know me. And if you're a listener, you know me as well. I am all about nurture versus nature. <laughs> you know I fucking love. I can't get enough of that topic. And, of course, that's why I was drawn to this story, because from day one, he's taking care of mama. Like, he's being the parent role. What opportunities does this kid have? You know, so we're going to discuss nurture versus nature in the outcome of this. So in 1994, Scott was convicted and sentenced to 15 years in prison. For kidnapping his own father. What? Yes. Scott kidnapped his own father, Lawrence. Mm. You know, like I said, he left long Look, ago. Lawrence is an asshole. He for is. sure. He is. And he knew Lawrence had some money. And he was like, fuck you. Yeah. I was fucked my whole life. You fucking abandoned me. I mean, I definitely see his point. There, but so, kidnapping comes with a very strong charge oh no he kidnapped him he took him straight to the bank in vermont and forced him to withdraw ten thousand dollars but his daddy had ten thousand dollars available readily available yeah and this kid's fucking homeless exactly i I totally see where he's coming from for sure do i feel bad that he kidnapped his dad i mean i don't feel bad for lawrence fuck you lawrence just thinking kidnapping's pretty a stiff charge well, I mean, he got 15 years in prison. Did he deserve that? I don't fucking think so. I mean, Lawrence did abandon. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. $10,000? Still wasn't enough. Exactly. Right. So I don't give a fuck if he fucking kidnapped him or not. 
Like I don't care. I really don't care. He did not harm his his father at all. Right. He took the money and left. And as soon as he left, Lawrence, being the little bitch he is, reported him to the police. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So Scott was arrested pretty quickly because Lawrence knows that's where them justice scales don't weigh out. Because thank you. He. That's why I was like, kidnapping's a pretty stiff charge. It is. And that's going to go wrong. It is. And it did. You it do did. deserve money from your father mm-hmm. 100%, but mm-hmm. that's definitely going to go wrong. But think about his mindset. Like the only way he could get any help from his only surviving parent yeah. was to fucking kidnap and that's him. That's horrible. Force, right? Absolutely. That's horrible. I feel like Lawrence should Lawrence do some time as well. has a rough fucking life. Yeah. Wow. Listen, this is where it gets weird. Oh, God. Scott was in jail mm-hmm. awaiting sentencing right. for this for this crime. Mm-hmm. And he ran an ad in the local newspaper himself from jail apologizing for his heinous act and calling it a family matter that just got out of control. <laughs> Which to me again Did I say heinous right? <laughs> <laughs> oh. I was like, what are you laughing? Heinous. Oh, I didn't even hear anything else you said because I just started laughing. Okay, okay. So how do you? Well, okay, so how it's you, heinous, <laughs> girl. It was heinous it was, and heinous, <laughs> so we know it was bad. Well, it was fucking bad. Okay? It was. He's apologizing for this horrible, heinous, yes, thing that he's winning. Done. <sighs> I'm sorry. We're I'm gonna blame so it on the cotton candy. Southern and so drunk. <laughs> I mean, you know, it is what it is, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> you know, and we are recording at night and mm-hmm. we've worked all day, which uh-huh. I think normally yes. we're day drinkers. <laughs> yes. So I think Tonight we're evening drinkers. little extra goofy. Yeah. Maybe bringing out a little more of that middle school humor, that raunchy middle school but humor. Does that excuse me saying heinous instead of heinous? I think that makes it even better personally. Okay, good. Okay. It was reported by other family members that Scott had asked to stay with his father and he refused to let him stay with him. So, like I said, Scott said, yeah. fuck it. Yeah. And kidnapped him. I mean, he didn't want to have to be responsible for his mother, but he even asked to stay with his dad. His dad was like, mm, nah. So he just said, fuck it. Then I'm coming to get you. I, mother. Look, yeah. here I, mean, I am. Look, I can't say Lawrence didn't deserve that, but. Scott ended up spending 16 years in prison at Coleman Federal Correctional Complex in Marion County. Needless to say, he did not get out early for good behavior. Mm. Yeah, I mean, he's mad as hell. Yeah. So even though he was sentenced to 15, he spent 16 years there. Mm, He got some extra stuff. Yes. I don't know what exactly he did, but 16 fucking years for kidnapping your piece of shit dad who should have been giving you some money anyway anyway or at least supported you while you were of you know underage sure yeah anyway what's legal obligation right yeah scott was released from federal prison november 26 2010 Mm. he immediately gets on a bus and goes to daytona florida okay 
This is where Scott sets up a campsite behind a shopping mall in Volusia County. Mm -hmm. And I personally like Volusia County because... It's Daytona. uh, Huh? Because it's Daytona. No, because of Live PD. (laughs) (laughs) And they have Volusia County on Live PD or Mm -hmm. on Patrol Live, whatever the fuck you want to say. Right. And my favorite, Mm -hmm. Sergeant Bryant... Is in Volusia County. (laughs) And he's like probably the best police officer ever. So Sergeant Bryant, if you're listening, hit me up. I fucking (laughs) love you. All right. So he's living behind this mall. He's set up in a campsite. 11 days later, 11 days after he was released from prison, December 7th, 2010. Scott is arrested for trying to rob a bank in Daytona with a bomb. Scott walked in the Wachovia Bank in Daytona, handed the teller a five-page long note. What? Five pages long. Demanding all the paper money and threatening to bomb the building. She complied. Hell, it's going to take her 15 minutes (laughs) to read that. Like, what? He did. He we don't need page. to know your life story. Give me your fucking money. Like, that's pretty short and direct. What so, he hell? demands all the paper money. She complies, puts it in a bag. Scott leaves. Well, in the meantime, another employee had overheard what was going on. Yeah. And plenty they, of time there, I would assume, as she's reading a book. Right. They notified police. This threat led to lockdowns and evacuations of a nearby hospital and school. However, the bomb that he left inside the bank was actually just two empty propane canisters. (laughs) (laughs) Canisters, girl. They get you. They will. (laughs) (laughs) Propane. Hold on. Hold on, I can say that, bitch. You Hold on. Can't, I know you propane. Can't. <laughs> propane canisters done. Did killing it. Fuck. <laughs> okay. All right. So yes, he left his bomb, quote unquote, bomb behind. Right. Um, and he fled with a large amount of money before being captured in the next parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say the next town over. Parking lot. Parking lot. Parking lot. Okay. As in yards away. Yes. From where the crime was. Like he had the money. He had possession of the money. Mm -hmm. But then was caught in his car. (laughs) So none of it was actually spent. During Scott's interrogation, he gave investigators information about the robbery in exchange for cigarettes. Wow. And he was like, look, y'all might want to call the FBI. He literally, he literally, literally suggested to them to call the FBI for some help. You like, listen, I got all the insight. I feel like he just wanted the recognition. He, he, he had some mental instability. Sure. It was not just his mom. He had some as well from all the trauma he had. Yeah. I mean, he wanted the recognition. So he wanted the FBI to be called. Maybe he felt more comfortable in jail than being out. Out. Possibly. Because at least there's some structure. Right. Some kind He's of structure. He's got a roof over his head. You and know. he has a routine. Right. Right. That's structure to some people. Three Just meals a, routine. a day. Right. Yeah. 
February 18th, 2011, Scott pleads guilty to robbery with a dangerous weapon and is sentenced to 87 months in federal prison, which is seven and a half years. Wow. So this is going to be his second stint in federal prison. For two empty propane tanks robbing the bank. Yeah, and kidnapping his daddy. Well, he already spent that time. But that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That, like, this is his second time in prison. And this time is, yes, for two empty propane canisters. I got yelled at in a Dollar General. Mm-hmm. Because I stuck, I had an empty propane tank. I was changing out because we're grilling. And oh yeah, yeah. I stuck my head in, but I was holding the propane tank, and I was asking for somebody to come help me because I need a to open. The, yeah, right, right. And that woman's like, "You can't bring that in here." I was like, "Oh, okay." You can't <laughs> Went walking all the way in. I was just trying to get some, you know. And you can't bring it in the store. No. Oh, apparently that is a huge no-no. Oh, yeah. I was unaware of that myself. I was myself. like, it's empty. That's why I'm here. <laughs> I had no idea. No idea. All right. So Scott pleads guilty. He does another seven and a half years in federal prison. May 15th, 2017, Scott is released from federal. Scott is released. From- <laughs> it just gets worse. <laughs> So Scott was released from federal prison? In Orlando. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. Scott stays in Orlando due to his probation. Right. And he's not allowed to leave and has to regularly meet with his probation officer. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got to stay close, yeah. obviously. Yeah. There's things he has to report, drug tests he has to do. Yeah. By July... This May, when he got out, by July, Scott had been hired by a family-owned paint business in their Winter Park area, and the family had agreed to let him live there, allowed to let him live in the residence Oh wow! in exchange for pay since he was homeless. I feel like wow. it was like either like an in-law suite right, or some, it, it was not the main residence okay. where they were gotcha. with their children. Like a garage apartment or something Whatever, like that. yes. Yeah. It was just Studio an extended part deal. of their house and their residence. And he was allowed to live there since he was homeless. That's, I mean, that is, I mean, it sounds like those people had a really good heart. And we're, but that is very dangerous. Well, Scott had been working there for over a month without an incident mm-hmm. when his probation officer came out to do, you know, their regular visit, check, whatever. Scott said the probation officer went to the family that he worked for and told them, quote, they were crazy for employing him and especially allowing him to live on their property. What? That's what he says. That is what Scott says. says. Oh, so. He says the probation officer mm-hmm. warned these people, you're fucking crazy for letting him work for you, much less live here on his property for you. Do you know what he's done? Do you know what he's capable of? I'm going to call bullshit on that one. That was. I, I feel like that's bullshit. And, but that was a defining moment for Scott, as you're going to hear later. Okay. When this probation officer told this family this. They listened to what he had to say. 
I mean, they they heeded to his. I mean, yeah, if I had a probation officer that said that to me, sure, I would, too. Right. After they hear this warning, they kicked him out. They fired him and kicked him out. Okay. Now, I don't know the rest of the story, but I'm going to just venture to say, and I don't know, this is allegedly, but probably the family was like, who are you? And he's like, oh. I'm his probation officer. I need to verify a few things. And they're like, hang on. You have a probation officer? (laughs) Now, I will say that Scott, according to Scott, he told them what he had done. Or he told them, rather, that he had just got out of prison and what he had gotten out of prison for. Right. Whether that's true or not, who knows? Okay. Who knows? But Scott said that he told them. And they were okay with that. But however, when his probation officer showed up and they got his warning or got this warning from the probation officer, they were like, get the fuck off our property. You're fired. So, okay. Did they know about it or did they not? I don't know. To I me, I feel like he might be full of shit. Right. To I me, mean, that sounds like a complete surprise. Like you, what? What? Right. Get the fuck out of here. Leave. Leave yeah, us alone. Would, yeah. That's why I said I, I felt like maybe he didn't tell them. I, or maybe lightly peppered what it really was. What really? You know? Yeah. Well, you know, there's there's like three sides to every story. Right. Your story, their story, and, and the, the truth. truth. Yes. Yeah. So I'm I'm assuming it fell somewhere in, in there. So now that he's been fired, he's kicked out, he's broke, and he's homeless again. Scott's trying to figure out how he's going to make some money. And, you know, he's in this Winter Park area. He starts watching Reed Berman's house and the nanny, Jenny Fulford. Oh. All right. So we're going to stop right there and... Take, take shot. another shot because obviously we have come full circle now. Mm-hmm. So let's take another shot. And this one is in honor of Jenny. God bless her. Yes. Yes. Cheers, bitches. <laughs> We're not hitting on much today. I mean, it's the evening recording. It I is. Think. It is. Our clinks are not <laughs> clinking. I don't understand. So we know that Scott's watched this house. He has zip tied Jeannie. He has wrapped her in this comforter and right. put her in the trunk of the car. Right. Um, Scott gets in the car. They drive off. Scott first goes through Jeannie's belongings. He doesn't find any cash, but he does find her ATM card. Mm-hmm. He drives to Wells Fargo, parks, walks right up to the fucking ATM machine. Puts her card in and uses her card to withdraw $300. Doesn't try to hide his face. No, not at all. Not at all. He then drives to another bank and tries to make another withdrawal. But like most cards, mine's the same way. It has a cap of $300. Right. You can get 300 cash out a day. Yeah. At at any ATM. It doesn't matter which. Well, this pissed him off. He was mad. He wanted more than $300. Now, I want to input right here that while Scott's driving around to the banks Mm -hmm. with Jenny in the trunk, her cell phone kept ringing like constant over and over and over. So much that it annoyed Scott to the point that he just turned it off. He was so annoyed. Her phone rang so much that he just turned it off. So he had gotten her phone. Yeah, it was. Yeah, 
Yeah. And then he had her keys, her wallet, and her phone. Everything. Yeah. 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 And he turned it off because it was ringing so much. And the reason that it was ringing so much Mm -hmm. is because her grandbaby was just born. (gasps) And so her daughter and her son-in-law were calling trying to tell her. And they were confused, too. Like, why is she not answering the phone? She knows that this is closed. Yes. She already had her plane ticket. They're probably starting to panic Panic at at that point. point. Yeah. Scott can't get any more money out of Jenny. And he's trying to decide what to do with her at this point. I mean, it's too late to turn back in his mind. He drives about 20 miles south of the city to a quiet wooded area and gets her out of the trunk. Jenny is crying and begging for his life, for her life. She's screaming so much that it's so loud that it basically just pisses him off. He just wants to shut her up. Right. Any way She's possible. making way too much noise. So he duct tapes her entire head. <gasps> entire head. Every inch of her hair, face, head, everything is wrapped tightly in duct tape all the way down to her shoulders. Oh, my God. And now that she's finally quiet, he stabs her several times and leaves her body there. What a piece of shit. He uses her debit card again to buy a train ticket and hops on a train going to Jacksonville. Meanwhile, nobody has any idea that this has happened to Jenny. Yeah. Um, Until Reed Berman gets a phone call from his son Oliver's school that Jenny did not come to pick him up this afternoon. Right. Reed is immediately worried from the beginning because he knows this is so unlike Jenny. Yeah. Reed goes to the school, picks his son up, and then goes home. And once he gets home, he sees the doors unlocked and Jenny's purse is on the floor with the contents dumped out oh. with Jenny nowhere to be found. Oh. So he left her purse but he took the keys, her cell debit card, wallet. cell phone. Yeah. 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 He took the wallet, the whole wallet, not just yeah. her debit card. Um, Reed calls Robert. the police. He also calls Jenny's husband, Robert. Robert and the police show up at Reed's about the same time. So Robert was able to tell police what was missing. Her right. phone, her debit card, her wallet, her keys. You know, he knew what was missing. Out of her purse that she carries in there normally. Robert pleads to the police. You know, something's seriously wrong. There's no way Jenny would just disappear. Yeah. Especially with this baby on the way. Yeah. That's what she was living for right now. So police start investigating. And it doesn't take them long at all to see Scott using Jenny's ATM card. On the surveillance camera. Uh, yeah. Because like I said, he walked right up to I'm it. He didn't so give a fuck. I'm glad he yeah. was a dumbass. Yeah, he walked right up to it. He didn't care. Hours pass and a huge manhunt begins. This story is all over the news. Robert, Jenny's husband, did a press conference stating that the family was offering a reward for Jenny's safe return. Mm-hmm. Investigators working on the case determined who Scott was and they figured out that he had bought a train ticket to Jacksonville, considering uh, he yeah. used her car. Yeah. Easy to trace. September 28th, the next day, police find Jenny's vehicle, this 2015 gray Hyundai SUV, 
abandoned in a public parking lot in Orlando. Mm -hmm. September 29th, the next day, crime scene technicians process Jenny's car. They find a beer bottle, a man's watch, and several blood-stained items. Oh, no. Yeah. Florida State files a warrant for Scott's arrest for grand theft, thrift of a thrift that thrift will get you. theft of a credit card, unlawful use of a credit card, and two counts of criminal use of personal identity information. I know that's a mouthful. That is. But they were just basically trying to charge him with everything, with everything they Absolutely. were able to at the point. Detectives release Scott's name to the public and created a wanted poster. And we're going to post pics of this poster. Oh, no. Was it no, that no, bad? No, 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 oh, okay. no, 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 no. It's a good pic. It, it's, I was about to say, does it look like something I could draw? No, it's a picture of him. Okay. A physical picture of him. Okay. Yeah. So they're posting up these damn wanted posters with his physical picture everywhere. Okay. Unfortunately, three days later, September 30th, Jenny's body is discovered in the wooded area. Um, it's off... I'm going to try to say it. I don't know how to say this. Apopka. <laughs> Shit. Shit. I know that's wrong. Ap- okay. We're just, we're just going to go with Apopka. Apopka. Apopka Vinland Road. Right. It's in Orange County. Okay. Fair okay. enough. She was found there at, a prax- at approximately 1 p.m. I'm struggling. <laughs> like always. Approximately. Approximately. Struggling. That's where she was found. <laughs> um, the body was in an extensive state of decomposition mm-hmm. with obvious signs of foul play. The medical examiner ruled her case of death from stab wounds and asphyxia. Right. On October 1st, Scott is arrested by U.S. Marshals near an Amtrak station in Jacksonville, Florida. Scott's held in federal custody for violating conditions of his probation for the bomb bank robbery. Like, he's not even supposed to be in Jacksonville. So they found him and immediately picked him up. And they're like, okay, we're going to hold him on probation violation. Hold him on whatever you can. Whatever it takes. Yes. They had a reason, you know, to hold him that long enough so they could question him about Jenny. November 13th, Detective Ferreira with the Orlando Police Department meets with Scott in jail. At this point, Scott confessed to the details of Jenny's murder. December 5th, the state issues a warrant for Nelson on the charges of first-degree murder. Mm -hmm. Over the next several months, the lawyers and detectives are spent, you know, getting ready for this trial. Scott's locked up with no bail in the meantime. On April 27th, 2018, Scott writes a letter and sent it to the judge that's in charge of his case. Okay? Girl, you know I'm going to read you the letter. So he, (laughs) let me get this right. He gives the bank teller a five-page note to yes. rob the bank. Yes. And he gives the judge a one-page letter. Oh, no. It's about five pages. Okay. okay. A, I was about to say. It's a minute. Priorities here. It's a minute. Okay. So, let me read you this letter. Okay. And he has very neat handwriting. And it's in all capital letters. So, he's yelling the whole way through. He is yelling the entire 
letter. But I mean, it's it's wrote out like in proper form and shit. We have to, from, date. He got the case number. He got the judge's name. And it starts off with, Your Honor, Sir, I come before you now humbly because I don't know where else to turn. I've been terrorized in federal prison for over 20 years, actually closer to 24 years. I've suffered in the hardest and most violent penitentiaries in America. These are his words. Mm-hmm. Here at the Orange County Jail, since my arrest in October 2017, I've lost 40 pounds of weight. I've requested from the medical department to receive a how fuck a high calorie diet. What? He has requested that he receive a high calorie diet because he has lost so much weight. Okay. I'm being told that they must go by a body mass index, the same index that declares virtually all Americans as obese. Because I've gone on a campaign to receive a high calorie diet, today I was told by a medical doctor that I have high cholesterol. And I was left with the feeling that the medical department can put me on a worse diet. Being of my high cholesterol. Free diet to exaggerate my situation even more. Exaggerate So he's like. Instead of exacerbate it. Oh, I do think that's. <laughs> <laughs> Bitch, that says exacerbate. You know what? Fuck all y'all. I'm about to take another shot. Fuck it. <laughs> you exaggerate it, girl. We're gonna we're gonna let's cheers to exaggerating things. He said it was going to ex exacerbate <laughs> Girl. <laughs> Be y'all's cups up. Y'all know what the fuck I mean. <laughs> cheers, bitches. So his <coughs> hold up. <laughs> It is good, though. <laughs> it is good. He fears his ex- situation will be exacerbated. Exacerbated. Even more. He never He never gave us his BMI, though. He did not. He did not <laughs> offer up his BMI. The medical department doctor today explained that I don't know why other inmates receive a high-calorie diet. Well, Your Honor, I do. Let me preface, let me just stop right here and preface. These are his words, not mine. (laughs) Because black inmates are highly favored over white. I'm starving to death here while the black inmates are well fed. What? I'm calling total fucking bullshit. I've not seen a picture of this dude. I don't know what he looks like. He's a big guy. I was... Yeah, you said he was a big dude in the beginning. He is a big dude. So I'm thinking maybe the 40 pounds losing it was a good thing. It could have been. It could have been. But him saying that black inmates get more food than white. That he was starving. I got hung up on that when he's a big dude. Yeah, that's what this whole letter about. This whole letter is about him starving to death. (laughs) All he fucking wants is food. Wow. Yeah. 
He's racist and hungry. Hungry. Okay. I have fully cooperated in the case number 17-015684. Now, before your court, I provided a full confession, even gave up unsolved armed bank robberies and promised to divulge the details of eight homicides that I've never been caught for. Whoa. Right. Curveball. That's what he said. Wow. He's saying, if y'all just give me some more food, I'm going to motherfucking tell you about eight homicides. I feel like he wants and to, an unsolved to stay in jail. armed bank robbery. Well, like I said, it's the only structure he's ever known. Right. I feel like he's done all this just to get in jail. Your Honor, I am facing the penalty of death. My whole life I've been abused. I've got no money, no family, no friends, and the government wants me dead. I suffer from mental illness. And here, like, if his capital letters weren't enough, these are even bigger capital letters. Oh, wow. I am starving to death. That's what it says. My insane defense team wants me to waive my right to a fast and speedy trial. And you can see all the way across here in huge letters. No way. He doesn't want to waive his right to a fast and speedy trial. He wants the shit over with quick, fast, in a hurry. Right. Is what he's saying. Your Honor, I, Scott E. Nelson, defendant in the above case and being represented by the Public Defender's Office. My counsel consists of attorneys Robert Lahr, Chelsea Simmons, Aaron Hyde. Your Honor, sir, I want there to be no ambiguity. Fuck. That's a, that, that might be. Just say it. Me. Just say it. Ambiguity. Ambiguity. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I had to think about it. I said ambiguity. What did you say? Ambiguity. Yes, sir. I want there to be no ambiguity here. Under no condition do I wish to raise my right to a fast and speedy trial. Your Honor, I am imploring that Your Honor please rely on my wishes. And my firm desire to attorney Robert Wesley, whom is head over my defense team, and make it crystal clear that the defendant, since October 1st, 2017, arrest, has and continues to receive a fast and speedy trial. It is my right. Trial is set for June 11th, 2018. I condemned any attempt by anyone to speak of a continuance. I wish to seek that there be no retaliation by my defense team against me for my wish to receive a fast and speedy trial. My defense team is coming up with too many excuses. I am open to solutions and not excuses. I have been more than cooperative and 100% honest and informative since my arrest on October 1st, 2017. He loves giving that date. Mm -hmm. Here again, he says, I've lost 40 pounds of body weight because I don't get enough food. The medical department here said, well, maybe you'll stabilize and I'm asking to be fed more. Please, my defense team is more concerned with perhaps how they will look at trial than what is best for me. Your Honor, it is a sad day in America when I, the defendant, will be the only one telling the truth at trial. 
In conclusion, I want to be present at my pre-trial conference on May 29th. I want to testify on my own behalf at trial. I want to speak on my own behalf at the penalty phase. And if I'm found guilty, I ask for the court to help me waive all my appeals before I even exit the court. Can you please help me in any way possible? If I have increased high cholesterol, it is up to me if I want treatment. Not to be retaliated against because I am hungry and white. <laughs> I swear to God. That's oh, my, a, oh, my God. I swear to God. Look, I don't know that I've ever heard of a letter signed off as hungry and white. Hungry and white. That's a whole level of hangry. I, he, yeah. He's, that we don't understand. <laughs> Sincerely. It, it, hungry and, and white. white. <laughs> Sincerely, hungry and white. Yours truly. Oh my God. Yours truly, hungry and white. <laughs> Stupid. Ridiculous. I know. All right. So after this you know, letter, the very next month in May, his defense confidentially files a notice of incompetency on behalf of Scott. Right. So he didn't even know this happened. Yeah. This filing pauses the clock on this speedy trial Mm -hmm. that he's wanting to push so bad. Right. October 26th, Scott undergoes psychiatric and psychological evaluation, assessing him to see if he is competent to stand trial. The next year in April. Wow. Right? It takes a long time. Court orders Scott Nelson competent to stand trial. Poor... Per the order, this court does not believe that the defense has met its burden of proof that Scott Nelson is competent to proceed, is not competent to proceed. So they're like, look, you have not proved he's not competent. So we about to go on with this motherfucker, even though it took a year to get there. Yeah. A fucking year. It's crazy, right? Yes. June 6, 2019, court orders the jail to transport Scott to all the upcoming hearings willingly or by any reasonable means necessary, including reasonable force. Wow. So So even if he don't want to come. He coming. Bring him kicking, screaming. Any reasonable force necessary. Wrap his fucking face up. And bring right, him on Right, in. bring him on in. The next day, the state informs the court its plea offer to Scott Nelson was rejected by Scott. So they did offer him a plea deal. Mm-hmm. He rejected it. So June 10th, jury selection begins in the death penalty case against Scott. Right. Because, you know, they didn't offer you a plea deal. You rejected it. If we're going murder. to trial, we're going to push for the death penalty. So yeah. he knew that going in. But let's talk about Scott in court. This motherfucker. He took the, like, when he wrote that letter to the judge and he said, I asked to speak in my defense and I asked to speak in the penalty phase. Well, they said, okay. Okay. You want to talk? We're going to let you talk. Absolutely. So he took the stand two different times. This man, after listening, I mean, there are... I'm not going to say hours and hours and hours, but there are several hours of him, just him, on the stand. Mm -mm. 
Loving every fucking second of it. <laughs> and nature. listening to him, he he truly has to be one of the most callous fucking killers I've ever heard. That's why I was drawn to this case because number one, this whole nature versus nurture. Mm-hmm. I love and that. That's what he's arguing. I've been abused all my life. Exactly. And, yeah. Exactly. The world owes me. And then he gets on the stand, and just the things he says about his crimes, he's just a motherfucker. I mean, he's just. Yeah. Feels like he's justified. He's just a motherfucker. He repeatedly said that he wanted somebody to pay for all the shit that's happened to him in his life. Which I get. I get that life's fucked you over. Right. But you can't just blame everybody. Every, anybody Other and everybody. Have had life fucked them over as well. But even though he took Jenny's life, he 100% totally blames that damn probation officer. He swears that if that probation officer. Would not have fucked up his job where mm-hmm. he had, you know, was living and all that, that none of this would have ever happened. But Bullshit. because he was so hungry. And the fact that he was starving and homeless at this point. He, I mean, hanger is a problem for him. For him, it is. Matter of fact, I'm going to let you hear what. snippy, but never. Let me hear what. I'm going to let you hear what he says. About his probation officer. I want you to hear how callous he is. Okay. Julio Dominguez is employed by the U.S. Department of Justice, United States Probation Office in Orlando, Florida. And how is he related to this case? Well, well, sir, he was my probation officer. I was on supervised release. Okay. And what is it? The importance of his involvement in this case? Well, sir, I'll be very frank with you. Um, Jennifer Lynn Fulford would be alive today had it not been for Julio Dominguez. Any reason for that statement, sir? I think the uh, world should know that. What a piece of shit. He's so narcissistic. Exactly, exactly. He wants everybody to know, basically, it's not his fault. Because of all the shit that has happened to him, this is the consequence. That is, I mean, it makes you hate him. Yeah. That kind of reminds me a little bit of just the callousness with BTK. That's one reason I hate hate him so bad. Yeah. Just just so matter of fact. Yeah. And the judge even goes on to say, or not the judge, excuse me, the lawyer. Even goes on to say, okay, did Julio Dominguez kidnap and kill Jennifer Lynn Fulford? And he says, no, I did. I'm like, well, okay, well, how are you blaming him for it then? Yeah. And he said, because he left me jobless and homeless. So it is his fault. I was starving. I wanted to eat. And this is how I was going to eat. He definitely wanted to eat. He even, in one time, in, when he's on the stand, they're questioning him about the actual murder, like how he committed each step. Right. And they asked him why he wrapped her in a comforter. Right. And he says, I didn't wrap her in a comforter. And they said, well, she was wrapped in the comforter. He said, I know she was wrapped in that, but I'm telling you, I didn't wrap her in that. And they said, well, okay, who did? He said, I don't know. Maybe she wrapped herself in it. Maybe she was cold. And he said, well, 
I know she's cold now. <gasps> Girl, he did. 100% he oh did. Oh, my. Oh. And he has a jury, right? And that, And after he said that, they totally were silent for several minutes because the lawyer was like, oh, yeah, he, yeah, he done walked into it. So we're just wow. going to let that sit and let the law, let, let the jury marinate. Yeah. marinate on that for a minute. Yeah. So even though he's blaming his probation officer, mm -hmm. he totally brushes over the fact that they have him on security footage right. at Walmart the day prior of the murder buying zip ties, duct tape, and knives. Yeah. I mean, he walked up to an ATM and didn't even attempt to cover his no, face or anything. No, But I mean... Like, how stupid can you be? So it doesn't shock me that he'd be in Walmart buying all his yeah, murder tools. He totally prepares to it was do. premeditated. Yeah. And he committed a murder and robbed. That's why he's up for capital murder. Yeah. And he also says he was only doing everything necessary for him to eat. Bull Girl, he all shit. about some money. Go to a I mean, fucking suit. He kitchen. all about some food. You know food. what I'm saying? Yeah. There are yeah, people out there that will help. All you. about some food. Right. He also mm -hmm. says on the stand that it wasn't great police work that got him caught. He literally gave the police everything they needed. He absolutely did. He did. That's why but, I think he wanted to go to jail. Yeah. He also describes now this is not on the stand. This is during his interrogation video. Mm-hmm. How after he he kills Jennifer, mm -hmm. that he takes this $300, and the first thing he does is buy pizza, just the way he likes it. And he describes the pizza. Mm -mm. And while he's waiting on this pizza, he's looking at everybody, you know, wandering around, out and about. Right. And his pizza's ready. He's walking through this park and going to eat his pizza. Mm-hmm. And he's laughing to his own self about how it's a blood pizza. Like, in his mind, he knows he literally had to murder somebody to be able to afford a pizza. And they're all living their lives like everything's hunky-dory. They have and he, no idea. Yeah, and he resents the fact that they can all be happy. And he says that he had to lower himself to kill just to be able to afford food. I I hope that you tell me he's in jail and he was shivved. Actually, he is in jail. Good. But during the penalty phase, when he got back on trial, it was for life without parole. Okay. And he specifically asked the judge and jury for the death sentence. I mean... At this point, they, I mean, listen, as hangry as he gets, <laughs> why do we want to feed him? They seriously fucking sentenced him to life in prison without parole. And he rejected it and asked for the death sentence, which then, he did not get. But then part of me is like, if he wants the death penalty like that, then go ahead and put him in for life and then restrict him to like 1200 calories a, a day. day just like starving. barely enough <laughs> for it to legally be okay when he was on the stand during his penalty phase right asking for the death penalty of course he was asked why why do you want the death penalty and his exact words were quote i am a homicidal 
maniac. But yet you had to kill to eat. D- that, yeah. Oh, His work quotes. So I should have played that clip for y'all too, where he says, I am a homicidal maniac. Just like, as a matter of fact, as possible. But then five minutes ago, you you weren't. You just wanted to kill so that you, just could, so you could eat. I hate him so bad. <laughs> I mean, I hope that he's getting ass raped every day and he's always hungry. I'm sure he's always hungry. I think I'm it would sure be great if they let him like didn't feed him and then sat him in the middle of all these people that would love to kill him and have them like a great meal, meal. like just everything that would be his favorite while he just watched. Yes. And if you come close, then you'd be like, you know, if he comes towards you in threatening manner, feel free to defend yourself. Yes. Do what you need to do. Yeah. So I hope he, I hope he dies hungry. And he is still incarcerated in Florida. I hope he's hungry. I'm sure he's hungry. Every second of the day. God bless his starving little white pitiful self. <laughs> I ain't blessing shit yeah. on him. Just going to fill us up one more time. All right, here we go. Fill your cups up. It's that time. Cheers, bitches. <sighs> That's good. Yeah, that was good. So he's still living in a prison. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We don't know if he's been beat or shivved. I don't. But let's hope. I don't. Let's hope. But I, I was just fascinated by the amount of mental health issues in this family. The whole nurture versus nature. Right. Because I just wonder how much difference he could have had there's so many factors that right? can play into right? that because you also have genetics that could come into play mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. not all you know mental illnesses are genetic but some still, of them are exactly so that can come into play so we do do we feel bad for this guy i absolutely 100 i do not you do not feel not bad at him. all not even at though all. with the upbringing he, he said had, that he had mental illness and i know we've said this before Hell, everybody's got a little something, I think. We do. And so it is your responsibility to handle that. Yeah. Like if, if you but he'd never been taught how. If he'd you never been shown, shown how. Somebody had to tell him what was wrong with him. I, I think it was just a lifetime of prison, too. And like you said, I I really think that he functions better in prison than out. Yeah, that, That's that the only thing. structure and routine he's because ever had. Because he didn't even try to hide what he was doing no so Girl, i think he just, he just wanted, wanted to, eat. to go back into he prison he was just starving and white feel and sorry <laughs> for him i hope he's still God. starving and white in prison Some poor, poor pitiful six foot three 280 pounds starving white boy <laughs> Oh, God. And I hope the food they give him is so shitty. I hope it is, too. And I hope that he doesn't have anything on his commissary package. <laughs> I hope that he cannot get them ramen noodles and try to make pizza and shit with it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? With the Doritos yeah. and all the special no. sauces? Mm-mm. No. I hope that he is hungry in solitary. He is. So, fuck he him. Is. He is. Let's do one more for Jenny and her family. God, I, I can't imagine that new baby. having a, yeah, and then something like that happening to my mom, you know, exactly. on one of the most special days of my life. And just completely fucking random. Just yes. completely. They even questioned him on the stand, like, what were you doing in Winter Park? 
And he was like, well, I used to work there. And he did Mm -hmm. with the painting company. Right. Okay. But why was he still there? Yeah. Why are you just hanging out in this rich neighborhood where you clearly don't fucking belong? Right. Well, it's because he was staking out somebody to fucking rob. Absolutely. That's, yeah. I mean, he's trying to go do that in a broke neighborhood. Yeah. He tried to rob a bank with some propane canisters that were empty. Yeah. With a five page ransom note, or not ransom note, but robbery. Robbery. Yeah. So, th- again, do we feel bad like, for literally, him? Literally, he could have put, give me all the money, <laughs> period. And he didn't even need a whole piece of paper for that. He could have tore off a piece. It was five pages. Five. I don't even know what the conversation could be after that. <laughs> I don't know how long it would take to get to that point unfortunately for him it took long enough that the employee next yeah, door said wait a next, minute look if i was next to brenda at the bank <laughs> and she's over there reading this, this five book. page note talking about if you don't give me all your paper money i'm gonna snatch this bomb blah blah blah, blah. <laughs> and not only that but i see two propane tanks <laughs> well he did have them in a bag or but, like a suitcase or yeah, briefcase, you're still whatever. That's suspect. Anything you carry mm. big into a bank, bank is suspect. And you're standing in line. Yeah. Yeah. No. And you don't say anything. You just pass some paper. Yeah. Some wrong. And she's over there reading a novel. She had to take a bathroom yeah. break in between. So he, he did not make it far with the money. It was not thought out. I, I mean, I have a feeling, and this may be just judgmental of me. I don't know, but... I feel like he would have never made it far in life. But could you imagine anyway. how fucking ecstatic he was getting out of the bank? He's like, yes, I did it. I got the money. He don't run across one parking lot, get to the next. So God. <laughs> or done. Look, or was he just kind of skipping along, <laughs> walking slow? And he's like, why ain't they here yet? <laughs> like, I feel like <laughs> that's what he's doing. That's crazy. That is crazy. All right. So, filled us up. Let's do one, one more, more because I think we should do one for Jenny's family. Absolutely. There, you know, and her husband, Robert, I mean, her entire family was just fucking devastated. Absolutely. How could you not be after going through all that? But the new grandbaby, the the other grandchildren, and everybody's just going to miss out on That is always your her. child's birth and your mother's death. At the same time. Yes. Yes, and I hope that they get. I hope they make how it a you, joyous. I mean, for their daughter. But how do you remember one without remembering the other? Right. It, it would be hard. Pitiful. It would be hard. This is for you, Jenny's family. Or family. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Cheers, bitches. We're getting better on them clinks. <laughs> we are. <laughs> <Ooh. coughs> I'm gonna tell you. <sighs> recording at night after working all day. Mm-hmm. It makes us a little loopier. It hits a little different. It does hit it. a little Hits a little different. <laughs> Past our bedtime. <laughs> we are risque today. <laughs> well, guys, thank you for listening to us ramble on. We so appreciate you guys. And until next time, be good, stay out of trouble, or don't get caught. Bye, bitches. We hope you keep listening and find us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok at Murder and Moonshine. We would love to hear from you. You can send us an email at murderandmoonshine at gmail.com.